Hi everyone, MR here and I have some great news for you guys. My book, Love and Other Wars, is available for digital download. You may get it at the Kindle bookstore or if you don't have that, that's okay. I can send you an EPUB or PDF copy, just let me know. Regardless, it's just 50 pesos or $1. Yes, 50 pesos for 40 English and Tagalog poems meant to warm your heart and make you feel all happy and giddy and kiligi. <laughs> right inside also the hard copy of the book is available through shopee just type in love and other wars poetry collection and don't worry i'll sign it up right for you all right get your copies now and let's get back to the show hi everyone welcome to mabuhay maxima this is mr your host so for today we will be talking about veganism and yoga with me is a lady who's been a vegan for 10 years. And besides that, she is the founder of Manila Vegans. And on top of everything, she is a Jiva Mukti yoga instructor. So guys, please welcome Miss Nancy C. Hello, Miss Nancy. Thank you for being here today. Hi, Amor. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. So how are you this pandemic? Well, you know, uh, I've adjusted. So in the beginning, it was quite challenging being inside the house for, well, 24-7, but I'm used to it now. That's good. I think it's really a struggle for everyone, and I'm glad you're used to it. And I think it's easier to get used to being in the home, in the house, rather, when you have something as cute as your fur baby right there. <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe you saw him. He's one of three rescue cats. Oh, that's so, yeah. so adorable. How long have you had him? Um, Tony is about five, I think. Yeah, here. <laughs> hey, everyone on YouTube, say hi to Toby. Hi, Toby. Is he yeah. the oldest? Uh, well, two out of the three are actually siblings. Uh, they were picked up by a fellow vegan, so a vegan friend found a litter of six kittens in the trash can. Oh! A plastic bag, and so I adopted two out of the six. And then my other cat, I saw him when I was walking home one time, and then I also adopted him. Yeah. And this is why we're vegan, right? Because... You know, we see animals who are just treated as things and it yes. doesn't feel right. Yeah. So that's really like, the basis of veganism, to, to see the, these amazing non-human animal beings as beings, they're persons, they have their own personalities, they want to be free, they want to be, you know, just enjoying life. Yes, yes. Uh, they have every right to enjoy life as much as we do. It's when, well, my personal thing for that is when people ask me, because I've been a vegan for, well, one and, one and a half years, I think, already. And people ask me, so how did you make the transition? I'm like, generally, it's simple as your compassion and love for people just extended to animals and boom, you're a vegan. <laughs> Exactly. It really is like that. Like when you make the connection and you realize, hey, you know, these things that we consider food, they're not food. Mm -hmm. They are these lived lives. So when you make that connection, it's very easy. You just realize, oh, that whatever, beef or chicken, it's not beef. 
this is you know someone who used to be a cow someone who used to be alive it's not like a chicken leg or a chicken breast is someone's body part so when you make the connection it's like instantly oh okay i could be vegan yeah um, it's 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 suddenly everything is suddenly so different when you do make that connection yes yes it's like suddenly this um, veil has been lifted off and you start to see what's really going on because most of us you know we grew up eating animal products we didn't think much of it yeah and then when you have that realization either you know you just thought of it or maybe you watched or read something you begin to see you know it's very it's very violent the mm -hmm. idea that someone is going to be bred and then this person is going to be born for the sole purpose of being used for their yeah. flesh or for their skin or whatever it is that this particular on this industry uses them for. Yeah, that's kind of it's it's like there, usually there's this moment where everything opens up for you and you realize it's all. I, you suddenly believe that it's not supposed to be like that. You wish it would be different. And I understand it has been 10 years for you. So what was your moment 10 years ago that made you really decide that, no, I'm going to be a vegan starting now? Um, I went to a market on a Sunday. So uh -huh. it was actually a Sunday market. And I was you know, getting my food. I wasn't vegan at that time, obviously. And then there was a booth that was giving out starter kits for, I think they didn't even use the word vegan at that time. They used the word vegetarian. Okay. I didn't want to take it, even though this magazine was free, because in my mind, it's like, oh, I don't want to be vegetarian, much less vegan. I might yeah. not even know vegan at that time mm -hmm. but I took it anyway because the lady was giving out these magazines she seemed very friendly and I thought okay I'll just take it yeah so there's no way so I was at the market and then I was literally eating pork barbecue while leaving through that magazine and oh. it's the first time I read about how animals live in these conditions you know what we call farms so there was a very precise article that made it click for me so it was about a cow who's going to be transported from the farm to the slaughterhouse and so the story was about the journey in the truck where okay. the cow didn't have any water to drink and then it's the first time that i thought of how the animals live and i was like oh i've never thought of that i've never experienced that kind of thirst because, you know, we feel thirsty and we have access to water. We never had to go through that kind of thirst wherein there's really nothing. And for these cows, this particular cow in the story, it was what, like maybe a day, more than a day, maybe two days being in transport in the yeah. shop with no water to eat, water to drink, nothing to eat. And so it kind of disturbed me. But I had some kind of resistance. So after reading that, I thought, you know, I, I feel sorry for the animals. But I just want to, you know, continue eating meat. Yeah. I didn't want to change anything. I don't want to inconvenience myself. Yeah, yeah. So I went same day. 
And I went on YouTube, I looked for other videos about how animals are treated in different industries. I'm not sure, but maybe I watched a little bit of everything, a little bit of leather, a little bit of fur, a little bit of meat. And then still, it's that same feeling. I feel bad for the animals. But I don't want to make my life difficult. Yep. So yeah. when it was time for dinner, I went out uh -huh. and I went to KFC at that time because mm -hmm. I was denying everything that I watched. And I thought, I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing because I don't want to change. Uh -huh. But I took a bite of that chicken, which used to be my favorite. Yeah. I couldn't finish it. Oh, I saw that piece of chicken and I thought, mm, it's not the same. You know, this is not yeah. just a piece of chicken. This is someone who suffered. This is someone who died. Mm -hmm. I felt really uncomfortable. And there was even kind of like a, like an internal debate wherein part of me was thinking, you know, you might as well finish it. You already ordered it. Yeah, and yeah. But you really don't want to anymore. Like it's disgusting at this point. <laughs> and then there's the other part that said, what about the gravy? What is the gravy made of? Yeah. And then it's like, mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure at that time. So what happened was I couldn't finish the meal. Mm -hmm. I went back home and I thought, okay, I'm gonna try. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna eat the next day. Yeah. But I'm yeah. gonna try. Uh huh. So I didn't know what veganism was exactly. Mm -hmm. I just thought I would not consume animal flesh. But within that first month, I did a lot of research. I listened to podcasts. <laughs> mm -hmm. I read uh, books. I watched videos. And very quickly, I understood that even eggs, even dairy, they're very violent. We would even say they're more violent than animal Surely flesh. It's surprising. So I, had, so I had kind of like a part two of this realization. Okay. So I was at the office at that time. I had a corporate job. And someone was sampling their cupcakes. Mm. So at this point, I was, I was still vegetarian because I'm thinking I didn't know how to be vegan. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Kind of like leaning towards veganism in the sense that whenever I had a choice outside, uh, I would take the vegan option. But okay. if there were no vegan options, I wouldn't be too hard on myself. And the things that I have at home, I still had dairy and eggs, but I actually never touched them because I, at this point, already heard about the violence. So my thinking okay. was, I'm just going to consume what I have, but I'm not mm -hmm. going to buy anymore. So this right, was right. maybe a month into it. A month from that KFC episode. Okay. So one was sampling cupcakes and I thought, well, you know, I'm not vegan yet, so I'll eat it. So I ate it. It tasted good, but I didn't feel good. Instead, oh. I felt guilty. Um, I felt kind of like disgusted. Mm, of course, I didn't tell the person. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it tasted good, but there was no pleasure in it. So that day, I went back home. I looked at my cupboard again. So I did a round two of cleaning up. And I disposed of it, all the dairy and egg products. And that was it. So it's like, okay, I just cannot support these violent industries anymore. I'm vegan. Wow. 
I'm sort of having goosebumps right now. You know, just, it's, I can feel the emotional turmoil around that whole month that you were exposed to so many information of violence and killings and like, it's that mean, like, my whole life is a lie. And it was, considering everything, I think it was really a month. It, for me, it took me a year <laughs> before I really decided to be vegan. But I guess when there's really that disconnect already from your tummy to your heart to your mind, the process becomes easier. But you feel like and it's not me anymore. Yes, and I think um, allowing ourselves to be exposed to the information mm-hmm. would be a big factor on how fast we make the switch. Because if we don't know, we really don't know. We can be very comfortable in that, you know, in that ignorance. But yeah. when we really challenge ourselves to, to find out, hey, what's going on in these industries, and you know, you can't just turn it off. You have to do something about it. Right, right. So you started to be vegan ten years ago, and I would—I sort of imagine it must have been really hard that time because it's not as accessible as it is today here in the Philippines. Like, I sometimes tell my friends, "If you want to try," because they're telling me, "I'm sort of considering." And like, if you want to try, this is the perfect time because everything that you know already has sort of a vegan version. I—I I don't know if it's the same ten years ago. Um, you know, like, uh, I wouldn't personally use the word hard to be, you know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it's hard to be yeah. Maybe it's not convenient as it is yes. now, but okay. I wouldn't consider it hard because there was no resistance on my end. I really right, wanted to be. Right, right, right. Um, it just meant that at that time, you know, I had to cook a lot more um, mm-hmm. if I wanted to eat. You know, these days you can order, you, you have so many merchants to order from, so many right. vegan bakers to order from. But at that time, if I wanted to eat a cupcake, I would have to make do with like a ready mix that happens to be accidentally vegan. And then Ooh. I put it in my oven toaster, and that's how I would have sweets. <laughs> so in terms of convenience, you know, of course, now it's a lot, it, it's a lot more convenient but I've never considered it hard because it was just it was just very clear to me that it's what I had to do. I think that's where your passion came in because generally from all of the interviews so far, passion, your passion for something, you know it is when it's inconvenient, it drives you away from your normal life, but you still want to do it. What's driving you is no, I want to do this, but it's clear in my heart and my mind that this is something that I want to do. And yes, yeah, it's really amazing that, that you had that connection with veganism. And eventually, you were able to be the founder of this great, great organization called Manila Vegans. How did that start? Did that start right away after you became a vegan, or how did it go? Uh- not right away. Uh, first of all, you know, Manila Vegans, it's really more a community. It's not, it's not a formal organization. It's very organic. It's uh, people coming together because we have something in common. We wanted to um, meet other people who have the same values. So 
I, I just wanted to make that clear. I became vegan end of 2009, mm-hmm. and um, I founded Manila Vegans in 2014. Mm-hmm. So during this time, I had a few vegan friends, but we felt that there was no online community. Mm-hmm. So even the online communities at that time, they were vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite the same. Um, it's more of uh, the dietary aspects that, are, that they're focused on. And I almost felt like I couldn't talk about the things that were important to me. I couldn't talk about animal rights. I couldn't mm-hmm. talk about, how oh, this is really about social justice. And when you see these non-human animal beings, they are someone, they deserve to live. So in the spaces before, it was not like that. Like you couldn't talk about it. So I created Manila Vegans because of that, because I wanted to create the space where we can talk about animal rights. And all, you know, from a more selfish perspective, I didn't know a lot of vegans and I thought, you know, there probably are other vegans out there. We just didn't know how to find each other. Right, right. So. Right. That's true. Like, I remember when I decided, I didn't, I was just influenced by a colleague who was already vegan. And then when I started, the only person that I know is just her. I don't even know anything else than I was able to find this restaurant that's vegan and then it brought me to manila vegans and i'm like there's so many of us i'm not alone it's so it it, it's it feels great and feels very validating when you're not alone in your own passion and your own advocacy it's like okay i'm not weird this is something that a lot of people are taking off also and this is a community and everyone is so friendly in manila vegans guys it's such a nice group it's it's a community that you can ask questions and not be uh fearful that they may say that why is she asking questions like that she should know that already no it's nothing like that's really a really really good community the compassion that we're talking about when we extend it to animals, we are so extended to each other. It's really, really great. And I'm really, really happy that I found that. Thank you for founding it. Yeah, no worries. I felt like it was a space that was really needed. Um, early on in my veganism, you know, like you, when I became vegan, I didn't know a single vegan. So it's like, are there vegans out there? Uh, I think a few months into veganism, uh, I volunteered at PETA. So they used mm-hmm. to have this volunteer night. You go there. And even the people I met there, there were a few vegans, but some of them were vegetarian. Okay. So even then, you know, there weren't a lot of vegans. So for, for a few years, it was just a handful of vegans that I knew. There were so few of us that we thought this is it. And I remember one time, one of my vegan friends sent me a text message and said, I saw someone on the street wearing a vegan shirt. Do you know this person? <laughs> because we felt that there is one other person. Maybe at that time, there were like seven of us. So we were thinking, there's eight vegan. <laughs> now, 
when you look at the Manila vegans community and you see all of these people from different places, different walks of life, different backgrounds, and they embrace vegan ethics, and you've never met them, it's so amazing because it has become, you know, I would say more mainstream than it was yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it opens a lot of windows, doors to a lot of things because I, I really thought I was alone. And when I found the group, I realized, okay, so this is not something that only a number of people know. A lot of people know. And there are establishments, businesses, groups, everything that you can think of that relates themselves to veganism. And I, it's a really beautiful thing. And yeah, it's just really mind-boggling how when everything when I started my journey, I was like I really felt so alone. But now it's just like as normal as A, B, C, one, two, three. I guess with like everything, it it's just uh, inconvenient at the start. But once you push through, it's yeah, it's like breathing air. Exactly. That, that's a good point. You know, in the beginning, you would have to make an adjustment. But I would say this is true for everything that is new, whether yes. it's veganism or, you know, uh, moving to a different city or yeah, getting yeah. a new job. Everything in the beginning has a learning curve. So I think people tend to forget that. So when they feel, um, you know, they have the interest to go vegan, but they're not sure how, sometimes it makes them feel somewhat paralyzed. There's this mm -hmm. idea that they have to change everything yeah. so i remind them just like anything new that you've experienced and i'm sure you have like everyone has started something new it's kind of like that yeah. so when you approach it from that perspective it feels a little less intimidating yes and there are you know uh there are changes but i i think these changes are all positive because it's about expanding right when yeah, we become it's not that our world became more limited. It became more expansive because we realized, hey, you know, my daily choice, it does affect the animals. It also affects the planet. It also affects human rights. So they're all interconnected. So I, I think it's an expansion. The, the changes are positive and basically everyone wins. Yeah, yeah, true. At the end, everyone basically wins. But during the whole process, yes, there is that adjustment period. Um, for you, besides the not knowing any more, more than a handful of vegans when you started, what are the challenges that you faced during your journey? Um, it was the emotional part of it that was difficult. Especially the first few months when I didn't know a single vegan, right, it felt right. as though I was looking at the world. Whenever I would go out to restaurants, groceries, it's so glaring. Mm -hmm. The animal use is so normalized, but I don't see it in the same way. It was very shocking. It's kind mm -hmm. of like you feel like everyone else are asleep. <laughs> <laughs> And um, it was very painful to have this realization of how violent the animal industry is and to have no one around me who truly gets it. 
Mm-hmm. That was, I'd say that's the biggest struggle. Um, you know, finding what to eat, learning how to cook. There are minor in- inconveniences, yeah, but the yeah. emotional part of awakening to this, this violence that is so widely accepted, that's the toughest. Right, right. And how were you able to overcome that emotional struggle? Um, it really helped that I sought out at that time. Uh, communities online so there were no local ones so I would join they were forums <laughs> so I would join forums I would spend a lot of time posting there talking to people who were vegan so you don't feel alone because you really go through a lot of the same things you hear a lot of the same objections you observe the same disconnection right, right. so it helped to feel that hey you know I'm not alone there are people yeah, out there yeah. even there are people out there who feel the same way that you do. Yeah, it, it really does help. It's like when you're feeling sad and alone and you need that friend or that shoulder to cry on. It, it really helps to have a community. Yeah. Definitely. Was that the reason why you decided, you know what, I think a local community is needed also because I'm sure there are other people like me. Exactly. And I also, of course, wanted to make veganism more accessible. Um, I thought that if people knew how violent these animal industries were, many would be willing to make the change, but they might not know how. So with Manila Vegans, there's there's that community. And also we have mentors who are all volunteers. Mm -hmm. And it's really... Also nice to see when people come into the group, they're new, they introduce themselves, they say, yeah. oh, I'm so-and-so. Uh, you know, the reasons could be varied. Like some people decide that they saw how an animal is killed, they want to be vegan, or they have some health condition they want to reverse, they want to eat plant-based. They're starting to realize the negative effects of consuming animal products environmentally. They want to make the change. So whatever it is that they're coming from, whatever their motivations are, it's very common for people to receive a lot of support from people they've never met. And they're Mm -hmm. quite overwhelmed. And I also encourage them to let me know if they're looking for a vegan mentor. And the feedback is quite consistent that they're touched that so many people want to help them go vegan. And I also explain that we want you to go vegan because we do want the violence towards animals to stop. So there's nothing for the mentors, you know, they're not paid. Right. so they want you to go vegan. They want you to understand why it's important. They want to make it easy for you because the more vegans there are, the more that we could reduce the violence. Yes, yes. Yeah. True. Like, I suddenly remember I saw this um, screenshot of a Twitter post on Instagram. It was like, when, when vegans talk about veganism, and years ago, you don't think about it. But now that veganism is being talked about by a lot of people, you realize, hmm, maybe they're right. And like, yeah, that's actually a good point. When a lot of people are already talking about it, a lot of people are re- already making that action, you have, you're already a bit forced to make that connection. Like, 
there, there's something should might should happen at this time. Yes. Before, when it was a fringe movement, people tend to associate it with, you know, like a small group of weirdos or hippies yeah, yeah. or new age. But because veganism has become more mainstream and um, different people with different backgrounds are embracing the vegan ethic. So the non-vegan would see this very diverse community and they start to wonder, like, why is it gaining popularity? Like, what is it about this veganism? What's happening here? So they get to confront this question themselves, whether right. in a very subtle way or maybe they start to become more proactive and seek it out themselves. Right, right, true. And... Uh, with everything that's happened for the past 10 years as you being a vegan and you eventually becoming a yoga instructor, what is your biggest personal achievement? Um, personal achievement, I think it's being true to myself. Yeah. Uh, it's living in a way that feels very authentic. Um, before I was a yoga teacher, I had a corporate job that was comfortable, but it didn't feel like my life's purpose, you know? It just oh. felt like a job. Right, it just right. felt like a thing that I had to do. It's, it was a means to an end. Mm -hmm. It wasn't fulfilling. Mm -hmm. It was just something that I had to do because, you know... Uh, society dictates that you have a job, you have to... Yes, yes, <laughs> you okay, have to, yeah. You have to pay the bills. But now, as a yoga teacher, and by the way, the style of yoga that I teach, it emphasizes non-violence. So veganism is at the core of this particular style of yoga. So with this in my life being very central to what I do, it feels like there's no separation between who I am and what I do. So I think... You know, maybe in the conventional sense of the word, it's not an achievement, but it's something that I find very personally fulfilling. I can feel your happiness from here. I don't even know where you are right now, but from a mile away, like, oh, she's so free and true and at peace. I want to be like that. Wow. I I'm happy for you that you we're able to find this peace of mind, heart, and soul with everything that you do right now. So happy. And thank you. You, <laughs> you mentioned a while ago that the style of yoga that you teach centers around veganism. Um, Jiva Mukti, yes? Can you tell us more about that? Yes, yeah, so the word Jiva Mukti is derived from the Sanskrit word Jiva Mukta. It means enlightened soul. So this particular, you know, it's not, you know, full disclosure, it's mm -hmm. not a very old style of yoga. Mm -hmm. My teachers, the founders of this particular style, they felt that modern yoga, as it is popularized, they only took the exercise part of it, but they right, left right. behind. So my teachers wanted to bring back those elements that are lost. Um, they are both vegans and animal rights activists, and they felt that if we practice yoga and we just think of it as an exercise, then, you know, there are some benefits, but you're not 
maximizing it. You're not getting as much out of it as you could. Because mm-hmm. yoga, it's tied to a whole way of life. Mm-hmm. And um, very essential to this practice is living in a way that does not harm others. Because the, right. the word yoga, it actually means, uh, it, it comes from the Sanskrit word yuj. It means to yoke. So the state of yoga is a state of oneness with everything. So how can you speak about oneness with everything if you are killing animals, if you are right, consuming right, animals? How can right. you speak of oneness with everything if in your day-to-day life you are not conscious of the harm that you mm-hmm. inadvertently So this style of yoga, of course, it has an exercise component, yes. but it also stresses the philosophy behind it. That if we want to live this life that is one with others, then we've got to examine, you know, our daily choices. We've got to internalize it. So it's not just saying, oh, peace to everyone, love and light. And then after you finish your practice, you do whatever you want without any consideration to the consequences of it. So this particular practice, it kind of demands something higher from us mm-hmm. that we look at how we live our lives so it's oh. not just not i do this amazing twist bind this pretzel like pose and then you leave it behind so it's just a part of it more important than the poses is that okay uh your day-to-day life how do you see the world do you think that you're separate from nature do you exploit nature or do you honor that we are actually all part of nature and we respect mm. the other being there this place with? Wow. Yes. Wow. I, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like really, really amazed about everything. Um, to be honest, I will not pretend. I've just been to two yoga classes in my lifetime. So from my own understand, a typical yoga class will be they teach you the pros you do the pros and with calming music and with the breathe in and breathe out what makes a jiva mukti class different from your gen, gen, yeah, general yoga class yeah. so uh what you described would uh make up what we call the asana or the physical part of the practice the stretching the balancing that would be part of it so in a typical jiva mukti class apart from that we would also include a little bit of chanting we may draw from uh, philosophical works whether it's the yoga sutras or bhagavad-gita or we also borrow from other traditions because we don't think of yoga as a religion. So anything that we can learn from other spiritual traditions, other spiritual teachers, if we can incorporate that, we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a part in a class typically where the teacher gives a talk. It's kind of like uh, hearing about a five-minute lecture on Eastern philosophy. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it can be in the form of an anecdote and then there's a little bit of a conclusion and then you do the physical practice. And typically, okay. many Mukti teachers, including myself, we also try to connect the process with the teachings. And that means that, for example, you're in a pose where you're balancing on one leg. Okay. Oh, 
have what we call tree posts. So in a class like that one, I might get you into the post and talk a little bit about what it means to root down, what it means to be like a tree, to be able to be in harmony with nature. So I try to connect the philosophical teachings with the actual process. Um, it could be that, let's say it's an arm balance. You're just putting all of your weight on the arms. So that's a physical part of it. I might say something about how it's really up to us to lift our own weight. So I, I try to make that connection whenever possible. And then the class includes a short meditation. Um, it's usually at the end of the class. The format may change a little bit from time to time. So it's a very integrated approach. So you, you do work out the physical body, right. but you also have nuggets of thought that you can kind of like dwell on, think about and consider so that your growth is not just physical. You also challenge yourself mentally and spiritually, if you will. That sounds like a really, really beautiful class. I, so I understand you already do this full time, yes? Yes. So since it's the pandemic, have you integrated already online? I saw your Facebook post. So is you teaching Jiva Mukti online already? Yes. So um, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was about maybe a month or so that I did not teach at all. Mm -hmm. At that time, it was very uncertain. We were, I suppose, hopeful that we would go back to Right, <laughs> right, yeah. But that it's not going to happen soon. Um, the studio where I teach in, they started to offer uh, online classes. So at the moment, I teach three group classes. Um, I also have a handful of private classes. And I also teach a donation-based class once a month. So this donation-based class, what sets it apart from the different the, the regular classes that I teach is that this will always be focused on the aspect of self-care uh, because I felt it was important, you know, to, to explore self-care during this pandemic, like pre-pandemic, yes. it's very important, but even more so now. So that's one aspect of it. It's focused on self-care. The other aspect of it, it's donation based. So people mm -hmm. who, you know, I know like a lot of people are having a hard time financially. So right. if they can afford to shell out money to take the class they can just take this class they can donate any amount and the the amount that they donate they don't go to me i am um, just using this as a platform to support a vegan feeding program wow so first of all uh, the beneficiary is an organization called fair play for all uh, mm. they work with the Bayatas community Mm. And um, so before the pandemic, they were working on educational projects. Um, they, they focus on, let's say, the athletic aspects or they, they try to hone the kids there so that mm -hmm. they'll have exposure to the things that they might not otherwise have because of financial limitations. Right, but right. because of the pandemic, even the more basic things have become even, you know, even a bigger problem. So right, during yeah, this, wow. they're also um, feeding the communities there. Uh, 
it has happened in several ways, either through direct feeding or they give them uh, like grocery packs with like veggies, fruits, mongo, uh, tofu, all vegan. So mm. for September, the beneficiary is fair play for all. So people who take my class, they can take my class and then donate any amount to fair play for all. If they don't have the means, they are themselves struggling, then they just take the class, no problem. If for whatever reason, yoga does not resonate with them, but they have the means to donate, they can still donate directly. So I wanted to put this out there because I myself, you know, I'm also struggling financially because, mm -hmm. you know, my costs are reduced. It's not like before. Right. So I might not be able to donate outright, but I could use my time. Right, right. So there are a lot of ways to help if you don't have the cap capability to help financially. And what you're doing is really beautiful. I'm glad that there is such a donation class. And how do we access that? Uh, so this donation-based class will be on September. Let me just check my calendar. It will be on September 6th. It's a Sunday. Ooh. It's from 2.50 to 3.30. And it will be uh, streamed on Facebook Live of Yoga Plus. Wow, nice, yes. nice. So it's there's no registration required. You can just go to Yoga Plus and then 2.15, it will go live. You can follow along. Wow, that's so great. So great. So this this donation class is all about Jiva Mukti, yes? Yes. Is there a prerequisite for this? Should I be able to know already a bit about yoga or I don't know nothing? Can I just enter? It's for everyone. So this particular class, I keep in mind that People may be joining in never having tried yoga before. So I'm going to make it very uh, open level and beginner friendly. So whenever you take a yoga class, uh, I would say try to keep an open mind. You don't have mm -hmm. to do everything. If you mm -hmm. see a and you think, you know, this is accessible to me, let me do it. If you see something, it looks maybe far out, it's weird or whatever. You're not required to follow along. You can just sit it out if you need to. So mm -hmm. you just kind of like take whatever it is that benefits you and anything else that doesn't work for you, you leave it behind. And also what's a little bit different about this class compared to the other classes that I teach, because it is focused on self-care, I would insert a little bit of a writing exercise in the beginning. Writing exercise. Oh, yeah, so it's just an opportunity for people to journal, to write down, because it's one of those things that we take for granted, right? Right, like, yeah. You know how it's so automatic, let's say someone asks you, hey, MR, how are you doing? Like automatically you just say, I'm fine. Yeah, but there are some days that you don't feel fine at all. So there are these like little pockets of, mm, not the man, like intentional dishonesty, but mm -hmm. more of kind of suppress how you really feel. And I think it adds up. And part of self-care is to be able to process that. Right, right, right. I think that's also one of the hardest parts of healing yourself, learning more about yourself, is to admit that I need to do something about myself. 
-hmm. that there has to yes. be this proactive approach. Thank you. Thank you for that. So no requirement whatsoever for the class. You can be a total newbie. There's no problem. You can be an expert. There's also no problem. Yes. You know, that's the thing with yoga. You start with whatever it is that you have. Uh, some people think, oh, you know, uh, I'm not flexible. Can I do right. yoga? Or some people say, oh, my, my lifestyle is so lethargic. Can I do yoga? The thing with yoga is that you can start like wherever you are because it's not a competition. You start wherever you are and you allow yourself to grow into the practice. You allow yourself to progress because that's what it's about you know you're not you're not <laughs> you're not competing you're not looking for oh who is the most amazing like backbender it's not about that it's about going inwards and if um in one session or several sessions or over the course of a period of time if you're able to be at ease with yourself even just a little bit then that's progress. Then it has already helped you in some way. I like that you mentioned that there's no competition. Because looking back, I suddenly realized I've never heard someone who's been vocal about, I'm really great at yoga. I can do this. I can do that. I can do all of this amazing poses. I'm like, I've never heard anyone say that. But there are a lot of people practicing yoga. But yeah, as you mentioned, it's not a competition. It's something that you do for yourself. It's really nice. I think I mean, it removes all of the pressure. I mean, I wanted to make it clear that, you know, like the yoga community or the vegan community, any community, it's made of humans. So, you know, people are, people are human. People are imperfect. Egos are there. But it doesn't mean that if you see that ego coming up, that you dismiss the whole thing because it's at the end of the day, your personal practice. So yeah. maybe... If you see that yoga, the exercises, they're kind of being used as acrobatics, you know, it's, it's fine. If some people find that, you know, it's entertaining, it's fun, and they're not very, um, they don't resonate with the internal aspects of it, it's, it's fine. So we each take from it what works for us. Right, right. Oh, I'm really so excited for this class already. Or... So we have that donation drive. And besides that, you have your regular classes. How often does that happen? So my regular yoga classes, uh, which I teach through Yoga Plus, uh, they're three times a week. So Wednesday at 7 p.m., Friday at 5 p.m., and Saturday at 4 p.m. I also teach private classes. So the private classes are for people who want individual attention. They want a more, uh, like a schedule that works for them. I have students who take my class like Sunday morning. Um, I have a private class now. Uh, believe it or not, that starts at, uh, starts at 4.45 a.m. <laughs> Wow, so early. Great start to the morning, but so early in the morning. <laughs> so, you know, like there's, it's really a different approach. Like people who take the group classes, they weave it into their routine, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, the ones who take the private classes, uh, they, they choose to do so because that is what works for them. 
true. It's great that you're offering these private classes to accommodate as many people as you can. It's really, really good. And do you mind telling us how much exactly is a group class, a private class? Um, the group class through Yoga Plus, it kind of depends because there are different packages. Mm. So uh, there would be a different price point if you're taking it uh, for one month and it's it's unlimited. It's also different if you're taking it, say, for a week. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yes. In my private classes, I mean, uh, the, the fee that I charge is based on the time. If it's one hour or 75 minutes or 90 minutes. Uh, obviously, the private classes would cost more because it's one-on-one -on -one attention. And, uh, you know, the group classes through Yoga Plus, they would be more like cost efficient because apart from my classes, you can also take other styles of yoga. Awesome. Thank you. It, it really sounds like yoga is really beginner friendly, especially the Jiva Mukti class. If we don't know where to start, we can start with the donation class. And at the same time, we're helping other people through the vegan feeding program. It's really, really good. It's, it's really great, especially at this time because, yeah, Self-care is something that's being taken for granted, but it's more important now than ever. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And so since yoga is really big, beginner friendly, and if we don't know where to start, we start. We can start with the donation class. How about for veganism? What is your general advice for anyone who's thinking to start but has all of these fears at the back of their head? What is your general advice? Uh, the short advice that I'm going to give is watch. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The, the long version of my, my advice is this. Many of us think that consuming animal products is our choice, right? Right. But when you think about it, it's not a real choice if we're not exposed to the other side of reality. Right. right. Uh, when we consume animal products, very likely it's because we are raised to think that this is normal. Right, All right. of the information we get, they're likely from ads, from, from, you know, like these industries that have money to spend. So it's only one part of it. So if right. you want to make a real choice for yourself, if you want to take that power back, then you would have to expand the information that you have. You have to be open to seeing what the vegans want you to see, the documentaries like Earthlings. Really think about this issue of whether it's ethical that beings are born just to be used. So you have to take in all of that. The animal cruelty, the animal use, animal exploitation. Yes, also human exploitation, how it affects the environment and you take that all in and when you have the full picture and then you make a choice then that becomes a true choice you can say that i make the choice whether it's consuming all vegan or you know if you're exposed to everything then you still decide that for whatever reason you still want to consume animal products then it becomes a true choice and not just something that was indoctrinated right Right. Saying that in such a way takes sort of takes the guilt away. Like you feel like 
I've been a murderer my whole life. But then when you realize, like what you said, it's not really your choice because you don't really know what's going on yet. It, it's easier to forgive yourself for what has happened and start anew, start afresh, make that proactive choice. You know, um, years back when my niece was, I don't know, maybe four or five years old, uh, I visited her family and then she offered me something like cookies or something that I knew wasn't vegan. Right. So I thought, okay, I have to explain to this kid that I'm vegan in a way that she would understand. So I said, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. But I'm not going to eat it because this comes from animals. And then right. she looked at me and then I, I think she may have even rolled her eyes. And then she said, this did not come from animals. It came from the supermarket. Well, she does have a point. <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about. The indoctrination right, right. starts from an early age. Mm -hmm. So from that age, you become, uh, you become disconnected early on. You just think, oh, you know, this just came from the grocery. Right. You buy a pack of bacon. You see, oh, you know, this is just something. Right. So year after year, decade after decade, like this indoctrination becomes so internalized that we don't think much of it. Right. So being vegan is really about taking our power back. Right. It's about saying, you know, like these industries that profit from so much exploitation, you're not going to have your way around me anymore. Not I'm me. going to, yes, I'm going to, Seek out the information that you've been trying to hide from me for so long. I'm not going to let you keep stealing my compassion from me. Beautifully said. Thank you so much. Thank you. This, this whole interview has been really enlightening. Even for me when I, well, I guess when you realize that you're extending more towards animals and like you said a while ago when you're you you realize that almost everyone around you is asleep you mm -hmm. there's there's this part of yourself that realize that makes you think that i am i know more but no it's not actually like that it's just that I, you're lucky enough that you were able to make that disconnection that you were able to well, wake up from the sleep you know, like the way I see it, it's not about, because they often say something like vegans are forcing their views, right? I don't think of it that way. I don't think of it as, oh, you know, vegans trying to push their agenda. It's right, more right. that, it's more that these industries that have profited for so long from mm -hmm. animal exploitation industries, they are the ones who are fooling us. Right. So it's it's not the vegans who are saying, hey, non-vegans, <laughs> look, it's more that, hey, my non-vegan friends, look at what these industries are doing to us. Look right, at what right. they're trying to get away with, like this elaborate scam that they're right, trying to get right, away with. Right. It sounds all nice and pretty and well, as my non-vegan former self would, would say, a delicious front. But when you see behind the camera of what, behind all of those cookies and yummies and all of that 
what KFC, for example, all of those fried chicken and that lechon, you realize that it's only pretty on the outside. It's really violent on the inside. It's so senseless, right? Right, right. And I guess, it, well, this hoping that this interview would make that connection. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Nancy. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making time for all of this. Please, uh, where can we find you? How can we access your classes? Let us know. Okay. So for everything vegan related, please join the Facebook group Manila Vegans. Um, you don't have to be vegan to join, but you, we, we ask that you keep an open mind to really be curious about why more and more people are becoming vegan, why it is, uh, why it is uh, so that we value animal lives. You know, this, this, I, this concept that we are trying to break down that animals are also important. Like, for sure, our appetite our pleasure, our convenience, these are not more important than the freedom or life of an animal. So there's Manila Vegan's Facebook group for that, uh, for Jivo Mukti Yoga. Um, my schedule is up on Yoga Plus. I also have a website, Manila Jiva, so manilajiva.com. So my public schedule is there, and for people who are interested in taking private classes, you can also make your inquiries there. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for being an inspiration to a lot of Filipino vegans in the community and outside. Thank you for sharing your voice. Thank you for making time today. It's really been an honor, really. Have no idea. Thank you so much. Thank you, Emor. I'm always glad to have a platform to talk about veganism. I think it's a very important social justice issue. Thank you for choosing to be vegan as well. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much. If you're still here, you're still listening, thank you for listening in. Thank you for keeping an open mind. If you have any questions, any comments about this episode or anything of vegan-related, Jiva Muki, or about the podcast, Please hit us a message, Mr. Maximo, and with Miss Miss Nancy C. And with that, I will see you guys in the next episode. God bless you all. Have a great week. Bye bye.